welcome in. Thanks for joining us once again on the Red Rock Sports Podcast. We are a Woos Media Podcast brought to you by Thrive Fantasy. Connor Holzkamp, how are you today, buddy? I'm doing great on this uh, wet and rainy Tuesday. I know. It's wild. It was, <laughs> it was like a monsoon out there coming over. Um, I can't complain, though. That's spring weather. It's white, that's what you white want. White t-shirt weather. That's for sure. I'm dreaming of a white t-shirt. Yeah. Connor, I mean, this not is for a me. family-friendly <laughs> show here, okay? Well, you know. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a nice uh, theme. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. Good theme. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, there okay. you go. Spring, spring outfits, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's what I'm getting at. Well, that's Connor Holzkamp. I'm Jared All. We are joined today by the great one and only Tyler Walgie. Boy, the crowd goes wild, apparently, when I'm here. Sitting in for, for a producer, Nick. Now, can we tell the audience why producer I Nick think, isn't I here? I think we have to. Okay. He texts <laughs> us this morning saying he drank contaminated water. We're just like, what? I'm like, are you in Mexico? Are you in Cancun? What's we going know he on likes here? to travel. And, uh, well, it turns out he was on the golf course, mm-hmm. to which I said, Yo, you be careful. That golf course water. Well, there's signs everywhere. Non-potable water. Do not drink. Mm. But there was a spigot of water, as he called it. And uh, he said, you know, I was really thirsty. And I knew I probably shouldn't have drank the water, but I was really thirsty. I figured it'd be fine. Took a sip. And now he has been sick all day. So poor Nick. uh, Lesson to all the kiddos out there. Do not drink non-potable water from a golf course. (laughs) You guys know my solution. Mm -hmm. Drink light beer. It's mostly water anyway. Exactly. It's got a lot of water in it. Only if you're 21, of course. Yeah, of course. I thought he just drank the, the creek water. Thought he just yeah, well, I mean, it, looking it, it honestly, is. I it think is. the creek water would have been better. Like, I actually think that would have been a better answer to that problem. Yeah. So yeah, maybe the creek although water I will say that was one of the things that bugged me the most during like the COVID rules at golf courses is they got rid of the water jugs out there. I'm like, give me some sanitizer or something to you know wipe on my hands, but like we need water on a golf course. Mm. Yeah. Otherwise, well, you end the, up the cart girls are drinking for. from a spigot. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Buy a water bottle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, so Connor, uh, you know, we're joined with, with Tyler today. Nick is out. So, uh, you know, I think we got to have a little fun. So I asked uh, Tyler to bring in a little game we'll get to later yes. today. Blind resume game. Blind resume. Blind That's always resume. fun. Yeah. So, uh, but first, we got to discuss Nuggets. They're coming down the stretch. We only have... Six games remaining in the regular season. Uh, Nuggets are firmly holding on to the sixth seat. Two games up on Minnesota. Feel pretty good about that? I mean, yeah. Holding on to that sixth seed, two games up. (laughs) Hey, anything could happen. Sure, sure. Whoa, that is deep insight, Connor. (laughs) Wow. Hey, Should should we just clip Connor saying that, and then you can ask him whatever you want to. We'll just play that back. I like it. That's good. Hey, I'm on record a couple weeks ago uh, betting producer Nick, making a bet with him that the Nuggets would finish higher than the sixth seed. I still stand to that. I still think the Nuggets end up in the fifth seed or or higher. And they're only a half game back of five, uh, and actually only a game game and a half back of four, Dallas at four. Although Dallas is really Exactly. It's not not just about how many games back. What are these other teams going to do? That's why with Minnesota, to me, as long as the Nugs stay healthy, I think I see no reason why. Yeah. I think that, I think we have more home games than Minnesota. Uh, I'm not sure about strength of schedule, but as long as they, they stay healthy. I'm, Honestly, you know. they both have a uh, kind of middle of the road type of uh, strength of schedule left. They both play some good teams and some bad teams. Honestly, it's going to be a huge game. I believe it's April 1st. The Nuggets are playing the Timberwolves at home. Mm. And so that's going to be a massive game. How do you think that's going to go, Connor? I don't know. Could go either way. <laughs> hey, could go either way. <laughs> Got to get you know, get on either side. Hey, uh, when, when have you heard this before? 
a game against Minnesota Timberwolves may decide our playoff hopes. Ooh. Mm. Mm. Is that something we were supposed to remember having heard <laughs> yeah, before? Or, or are you telling yeah. us that we've never heard this before? Yeah, I'm not so, really sure so, uh, which right, direction you're going. Uh, you know, right, it was a few years back, right before the Nuggets kind of started this string of making the playoffs consecutively. It, it was the, the first year before we made the playoffs. Right, so, so like four uh, years ago, maybe? 17, 18, yeah. So yeah, so uh, and it came down, if you remember, I'm sure some of our listeners will, it came down to the final game of the season against Minnesota in Minnesota. How do you remember that? Uh, oh, this hey, guy, man. man. Hey. Potter, he's just um, got a vault. <laughs> the I, vault. I remember where I was. I was listening to that most of that game on the radio why, in then, my car. Then actually. why can't Connor ever keep track of his keys? I know, I know Connor's right? straight got the rain man status, yeah. man. <laughs> uh, so, so, no, it, it was a winner-take-all game, and, and the winner went to the playoffs, loser went home, and the Nuggets lost in a very, very close game. Uh, and so, hey, it's almost like a little bit of a repeat from back then, although the loser doesn't necessarily you know, not make the playoffs, but it very well could have implications in the play-in game. So, well, you don't let stuff go, do you? Hey, no, I don't. Let it fester. It'll linger. And somehow I'm the one who doesn't like Joel Embiid and the Sixers, but I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. This guy holds, seems to hold a grudge. <laughs> All right, so we're sitting here. Uh, it is Tuesday, March 29th, okay? Uh, Michael Porter Jr. and Jamal Murray are still not activated, and there's really no specific, Connor, correct me if I'm wrong, specific direction or, or indication as to when those two guys will be back. Um are we going into the, this this last week, going into the playoffs, assuming we will not see those guys back until playoffs, if they even decide to bring them back? Is that what we're thinking with Michael Porter Jr. with Jamal Murray? Uh, yeah, man. I, I, your guess is as good as mine. I mean, I mean right hey, at this point, there we go. at this point, you're, you're, <laughs> I, I mean, you can't thing, imagine they're going to so, bring them back I, on that sort of. I think that they would, though. They, they have not ruled them out. So I, I think if what you're saying would be true and they're, you know, at this point, maybe they're just going to cut it off. And, and w I think we would have heard that. Yeah. So, yeah, I, but, so I, I don't think that that is, is true right now. I think that they're still holding off hope that they could get him. Um, well, for sure. I think regular season's out of the question. At this point, it's playoffs or not or second round or not. But, but are you going to really just bring him back to the playoffs without any games? Like no I regular think, season? I, I think that, that you bring up a good point, right? You, you don't want to do that... Uh, just uh, regularly for anyone, but for Jamal, who's such an integral part of but this team. But here's what I'll say is I think now we're starting to talk how these guys will impact in limited minutes coming back. I don't know that uh, that either of these guys is somebody thrust back into the yeah, starting lineup, 38 especially not in the first round. If that's their first action back, I think we're talking limited minutes off the bench, you know, working your way back in in the hopes that you can make it through one series. And then maybe in round two, you're talking about these guys having a bigger role with that. But I don't, I hear you. Yeah, go ahead. No, no. And so, Something that I thought was interesting, okay? When, when we're talking about, hey, well, are they going to come back? Are they not? Uh, I, if you take a look at 538's projections, and for those who I might... like 538. You like 538. Uh, Tyler Walgy over here is a professional sports better, as some of you might know. Uh, has a podcast, Sports Betting Daily. It's a great podcast. Definitely check it out on Woo's Media. Um, but with that said, uh, 538, you, you like it, right? It's well, decent. I mean, it's decent. It's a I good like Nate, uh, Nate Silver. Nate Silver okay. came up with... It's all his methodology, okay. and he's such a well-respected mathematician. I mean, he does a lot for... He is the most 
accurate predictor of the presidential election in the last four elections. Mm. He dominates CNN, Fox News for their projections. Who's going to so and it's not just politics, it's sports, too. He's got a great track record of predictions and very valuable, reliable uh, math. So I like Nate Silver and I love 538.com. I got to think as far as math goes, sports math is a lot more fun than (laughs) political. To be honest, it's not. (laughs) When it comes down to it, you're just doing math, unfortunately. (laughs) All right. All right. So 538 uh, analytics based uh, projections updated as of this week has the Denver Nuggets as the fourth highest percent chance to win the NBA Finals. Okay, now I'm sorry to rain on the parade. Can we get those exact percentages? Yeah, yeah, of course. Because so, I'm sure it's a big drop off. No, from, so so here we go. It's so, Phoenix one, right here. Let me guess. Phoenix one. Is that right? It's wrong. Oh, well, that okay. I, I forget what I said about Nate Silver. Phoenix should be first. Well, I guess actually the path through the West exactly. may be tougher for exactly. Phoenix, and that affects that, that. That's a good way of thinking because number one according to 538, is the Boston Celtics. Wow, who, okay. Who, have, who are playing great right now. I mean, mm-hmm. they, are, they are absolutely popping off. Jason Tatum is playing amazing and basketball. Are, are, they're currently sitting in the one seat in the East, correct? Uh, I actually think today it's the Heat. But, okay, so, there's, up. But, so right. there's four teams in the East that are within a half game okay. of each other for that one seed. So it's it's an absolute Heater battle. one, 76ers two, Bucks three, Celtics four. But like Connor said, they're all within one game. Yeah, so it's crazy over there. So anyways, I'm going to continue crazy over this. there. <laughs> over there in the East. Continue with this list over here. So... Celtics are at 34% to win the finals. Next would be the Suns at 19%. Next would be the Milwaukee Bucks at 14%. And then your Denver Nuggets at 8%. Hmm. And then you got then you got the 76ers at 6%, Grizzlies at 5%, Warriors at 4 Jazz at 3 Heat at 3 Mavericks at 1 Nets at 1 everything else. Is so no, let me let everyone know of another way to look at this that may kind of bring it a little bit more to light. So again, give me the... Uh, the Celtics uh, odds, what was it, 30-something percent? 34. Good God. So <laughs> that's predicting them to win a third of the that's time. That's crazy, yeah. That's a time. lot. So their matchups in the playoffs, well, and that's the main thing, right? Because you have to take into account money line for each matchup. So it's just, a let's say they're 80% to, to win their first uh, series game against whoever it is, right? Because we don't have matchups yet. Let's say Boston's 80% to win their first series and 80% to win the second series. Well, that only gives them a 64% chance to even make the conference finals. So, you know, again, 80% chance to win the conference finals. Now it's a 51.2% chance to win the West. That's probably what they're looking at. So those projections to me say they think the Celtics are going to go finish one, two, maybe three, have an easy first round, pretty easy second round. So so to you just said with your, you know, with just assuming 80%, you know, that was so hypothetical. hypothetical. So, but it's interesting because according to 538, their percent chance to make the finals is 50%, which was right around what we said. said. So a little bit under 80%. So that's assuming 80% for each of the first two rounds. So what's a Nuggets percentage? Uh, Nuggets have a 18 percent chance to make the finals and yeah. an eight percent chance to win it according to 538 now i want to say something though about this okay i think that 538 very well might be banking on some sort of return from jamal murray and michael porter jr otherwise i don't know how you statistically hold the nuggets as the fourth highest odds at this point i mean they they haven't shown that throughout the season they're not even one of the i, I wouldn't even put them as one of the four hottest teams in the league or whatever you know what i mean so right. it, uh, it's it's interesting but uh there is there is something else that might be playing into this start of the week start of the one of the things the Nuggets do have going for them. 
with a win over Charlotte, mm. the Nuggets just got their 23rd road win of the season, which is a Denver Nuggets franchise record. How about that? Yeah. Yeah. They, that. So uh, Denver Nuggets franchise record, of course, on the back of Nikola Jokic, who's having an amazing season. In fact, Nikola Jokic, as it stands right now, would have the second highest two-point percentage in NBA history Hey-o. for any season, only second to Wilt Chamberlain. Yeah, but who cares about two-pointers anymore? Well, hey, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Hey, hey when, when you <laughs> Seriously, when you're no. essentially uh, <laughs> when you're essentially playing more efficient bully ball than every season ever, other than maybe one season of Wilt Chamberlain. Come on, man, that is saying something. Now that includes uh, Jokic had uh, last week. He had his third career. 35 point, 10 rebound, five assist game, right? And he's the third uh, third career game like that, and he had more points than that. But anyways, there's only two players, Nikola Jokic and Wilt Chamberlain, who have had three of those games in their entire careers. Wow. So gotta love it. Hey, this is a great year by uh, by Nikola Jokic standards, and um, got some got some good news for you too on that front. Why well, I'm just keeping this Nikola Jokic love train. I love it. Keep it, yes. Keep it going. Keep it going. Give that man his MVP. <laughs> yeah, man. Hey, we've been saying it all year. I know Nuggets Nation out there has been saying it all year. Uh, of course, these last few weeks we've kind of seen the tide t- uh, turn, you know, more towards Joel Embiid. Really, the odds. Uh, from sports books over the last couple months, turning been, away from Joel Embiid well, or towards, but they towards Joel Embiid. Oh, so, so he's become more and more. Joel of a favorite. Embiid has become more and more of a favorite over the last couple months on sports books, right? Uh, and you know, uh, so what was it? What was interesting this week? Actually, I think it was this morning on Tuesday. ESPN came out with their final edition of a straw poll, where they ask it's the it's the fourth year in a row that they've done this, and they throughout the season they ask media members who get votes who actually get to vote on this, and they they get a sample size from each market, right? So they get some voters from this market, some voters from this market, all across the country, and they ask them to rank their top five just like how they do on the MVP ballot, right? The last four years, the last straw ballot of ESPNs in this has predicted the the MVP. Uh, the one year before that, it did not predict the MVP. We'll talk about that in one second. But Nikola Jokic emerged as the bona fide number one choice by most of the straw bo- uh, vote uh, voters on this ESPN poll. He had 60-some first-place votes compared to Joel Embiid's 30-something first-place wow. votes. Oh, substantial. Uh, and so that comes out, okay? And I've been watching these odds. So uh, Caesar Sportsbook, for example, they had the odds somewhere around. It was, it was like Joel Embiid minus 180, Nikola Jokic plus 160, right? Something like that. Uh, right. Those were, and, and then everyone else was way behind sure. that, right? Now, now on Caesars, Joel Embiid and Nikola Jokic after that report are both minus 110. Get out of here. Yeah. That big of a line movement from from an ESPN report coming out on this straw poll. Because here's the thing that when I talk to my my NBA guys, because I'm not a big NBA better, I bet a little bit, uh, but when I talk to my NBA guys or, um, you know, I I hear national takes, things like that, the committee, from what I hear, maybe maybe you can add some to this or, or tell me if I'm right or wrong. The committee isn't just about the stats or even the advanced stats. They're about the stories and the narrative. And and for a lot of the season, it seemed like, well, Jokic, Denver, they may finish four, five, six seed. We don't want to give a repeat, right? But at this point, Jokic is having such an uh, 
you can't ignore it. He's, he's doing exactly season. what he did last year, where he's down the stretch. He is the, what's fresh on these voters' mind, playing. But last crazy. year, last year, everyone around him got hurt. So there was at least a conversation with two months ago in the season of could be these guys. Now he's doing it all himself and saying, no, I don't care what's going on. And he's sort of emerging through the clouds here just because of how efficient and dominant he's been. Well, I, I think there's two things that are going against Joel Embiid currently to some of these voters. Okay. The first thing I do think the James Harden trade has been going against him a little bit. Having another superstar there to play with makes some, one of his biggest arguments was the record. Now, granted, I would argue that who cares? It's, it's a game difference. Like the Nuggets in games that Joel Embiid plays in first games that, uh, that Nikola Jokic plays in, they have virtually the same number of wins. Nikola Jokic has actually one more game than, than uh, Embiid does. But their team record, it's like, what, is it like a game and a half difference right now? Right, that's um, not So, so I don't to. actually think it's a great point, but a lot of people do. They, they look at the seeding and they say, hey, you know, Joel Embiid is a, is a two seed, right? It is, is a top seed, right. whereas the Nuggets are, are, are fighting for the play-in. So that actually plays a big role in some voters' minds, right? Sure. But I think that, so if you take a look and say that's one of his biggest points, the fact that, that uh, Harden is now there is taking away from yeah, one of his greatest points. That's a really good point. Now, I got to say, I'm a Nuggets guy through and through, love Denver, but I got to throw my boy out there, John Morant, because I love the way he played in college. Murray State, right? I mean, who, who doesn't love Murray State after John went there? Now he's uh, with Memphis, and I think John Morant deserves to be in the conversation, but here's what I think happens. I think players on Phoenix, right, Devin Booker. I think players on Memphis, John Moran. And I think Nicole Jokic on Denver. It falls into that small category you get ignored. And so I want to throw John Moran out there. I've heard his name a lot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I, uh, I, I like John Moran. Uh, John Moran's a really exciting young player. Um, now, <laughs> there's one thing going against John Moran, okay? One of these things is not like the other, all right? You you tell me which, which one of these things. Yeah, is exactly. Not like the other. So you tell me which one of these things does okay. not belong. Okay. okay. 76ers are five and eight without Joel Embiid. The Nuggets are two and five without Ooh. Nikola Jokic. The Warriors are three and eight without Steph Curry. The Bucks are six and seven without Giannis. And the Grizzlies are seventeen and two. No, eighteen and two now without John Morant. So uh, eighteen and two. That, hey, that, wow. that's impressive. That's substantial. It, Look, it th is. That's 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 very substantial. Now, I will say this. I've heard that stat before, okay? And a lot of those 20 games, you're getting a couple of Sacramentos, Houstons, and bottom barrels in there. But what do we see every night in the NBA? Even some of these teams like Orlando or Oklahoma City show up occasionally. So although I will say those weren't the strongest 20 games ever, that does mean something. Yeah, I mean, it, sure. it does mean something. And, and I think, you know what? Jaw's going to be there, man, for, for years to come. So I love Jaw. I, I love Jaw. He is, he is an exciting player. He's a lot of fun to watch. And uh, obviously, the Grizzlies are doing great this year. So uh, I want to get back to the, the last thing I want to say that's going, in my opinion, against Joel Embiid a little bit. Uh, and it kind of keep bringing Joel down. I love this. It's, it's so satisfying. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm a Joel fan. I like Joel Embiid. I think he's put a great it out player, into the but, world, mm -hmm. and then the voters will respond. But but one thing when I, when I took a look at this straw poll, okay, one thing that really stood out to me was that okay, Nikola Jokic has all these number one votes, okay, but Nikola Jokic doesn't even have as many number two or number three votes because he's getting the number one votes, obviously, right? So therefore, he's not on their ballot as number two or number three. But what you're finding is that between Giannis and Joel Embiid is like a complete split for number two, right? So I think what, what's happening a little bit to Joel Embiid is people are saying, okay, well, 
Joel Embiid, I kind of want to vote for him. And then they go, okay, well, let's compare Joel to these other candidates, Jokic and and Giannis. And when you look at Joel and Giannis' stats, they are like identical, except for the fact that Giannis is more efficient, right? But they're both in the East, so you can kind of compare. It's hard to compare records and seeding and placement from the East to the West, right? You can have arguments on either side, but when you're comparing two players that are in that same conference, right, and you see that the Bucks are right there with the 76ers, any argument about seeding goes out the window, and you go, okay, well, they are having the exact same season, scoring and everything, and Giannis is doing it more efficiently. So I think what's happening is, Joel Embiid is, is suffering a little bit from some vote stealing from people having an argument between who is the better player between Giannis, who is the MVP rather, between Giannis and Joel Embiid. And then they're kind of saying, well, you know what, Jokic, Jokic, wow, I sound like the national Jokic. broadcasters right. over here. Uh, <laughs> that's what happens when you, when you watch all the ESPN broadcasts. <laughs> right, that's Jokic. No, so, so when they look at uh, Nikola, they, they look and say, hey, he kind of actually stands out. I think when they're looking at him as three candidates, I think they're kind of looking at it and going, oh, you know what? The only one that's kind of separated themselves is Nikola Jokic. I just think it's lazy to say, okay, what's their seed? Who's the best team and who's the best player? Because that's a lot of times what it is. So if to, to me, if the committee or the whatever the people who vote on this are not being lazy, it should be Jokic. If they are approaching this from just a, every other year, what do we look at? Check the boxes, being lazy, it may not well, be. I think one thing that... I think you're crazy if you don't make Jokic the MVP at this I, point. I, I absolutely agree. I am fully on board with that. I, I don't even think... I've said this on Twitter a couple times and just got into it with some Joel fans, but I, I really don't believe that there is a good argument at this point right. for, for anybody other than Nikola Jokic. I really don't. I mean, you just... The, the stats are insane, man. Like... Okay, so Joel Embiid has a couple more points a game than Nikola Jokic. Fine. Nikola Jokic is generating 18 or 19 more points with his assists. You're preaching over, to the choir, my man. So, so, one thing I think could hurt Jokic, though. One thing could hurt Jokic. And it goes to, to Tyler's point over here about narrative, right? Um, something that's in play for Joel Embiid, and right now he doesn't have it, but he's right there, is the scoring title. And right now, LeBron James has that scoring title, but if. Joel Embiid gets the scoring title. He will be the first center to do it since Shaquille O'Neal. Not going to happen. Not going to happen. Here's why. LeBron James just hurt his ankle. Just went out with the ankle injury. Mm. You know what happened the end of that game? He, or no, no, the the next game, the next game they're playing, they send LeBron out. And I heard this. I did not see this. So this is secondary info from Fox Sports 1. But uh, Nick Wright was talking about it this morning on his uh, TV show. They sent LeBron out there, hobbled. He stood. Did you guys see this? He stood on the three-point line. Like a... Pass it to him. Shot made a three pointer. You got to give him that, right? Uh-huh. One for one, and then they took him out. So that because the reason is you have to have a minimum amount of games played to be eligible for the scoring title. So LeBron's not giving that up. And what's going to happen is he's going to play the amount of games necessary. It's going to demolish his points per game. But that's not what the scoring title is necessarily about. It's about total points in the season. So I don't think LeBron is going to relinquish that at all, unless unless Embiid becomes the focus and that becomes the reason Philadelphia starts running their offense, they're in a playoff race. They're not going to be worried about getting him his stats. So I don't wor- I don't I don't think right now just off the top of my head percentage, I think there's about a 10 to 15% chance LeBron doesn't win the scoring title. I I, I like that take uh because obviously uh obviously without LeBron James potentially lowering his his points per game title, right? His his uh then then of course you know, of course, that and B's just, not going to get that. Yeah, and B's not going to, but it's still possible. And I do think that that would be, that could be the one thing that really does turn no, a lot of voters. For sure. So, may as well note.
But hey, looking good for our boy over here to get back to back, which would be truly, truly something incredible, in, in my opinion. And so. something you said, Tyler, just a moment ago made me think of a question here that really Jokic turned voters last year once the injuries happened, once Jamal Murray went down and he carried the Nuggets into the playoffs. And, and now he's getting a lot of love from people all around the country because he is carrying a honestly an inferior roster compared to, to what we're seeing is he anywhere close is, is he looking at mvps if not for these injuries and i'm not saying you ever wish that but it does jamal it, and M- mpj mpj going down because they're not here is he raising no. his game in I a mean, way that you wouldn't have seen my opinion, without those guys my, going immediate, down? my immediate opinion is uh no Unfortunately, you know, you hate to say that, you know, but... Uh, no, you, you mean bit, no that he wouldn't have these MVPs. Yeah, I, well, not last year. I think last year he still... he Because all the injuries around the league kind of led Jokic to being the, the clear yeah, choice, clear in my opinion, cut, last year. Yeah. This year, he's taken on such more of a role because the other two best players on the team are out. And it's not like their point guards... Well, I guess Jamal, everything goes through him. But now everything has gone through Jokic. So I honestly think that if... MPJ and Jamal Murray were back full health all season long. Unfortunately, it wouldn't be like this. I don't think it'd be this close of an MVP race at all. And, and that's not to take away what he's done. It takes a certain level of player to, to do what Jokic has done. But my guess, and this is all just my guess, I don't think he'd be where he is right now. What do you think, Connor? I would I would push back on that. I think I think that last year, of course, you can make the argument. What if what if all these injuries didn't happen? But uh, it's hard to say because even if everyone was healthy last year, right? Let's just say Joel Embiid was healthy the whole time. Uh, it was really early on when some of these guys were ahead of Jokic, Dude, right? Uh, if they would have had going to say that Jokic earned it last year and, and was the no. Well, and, what I'm saying, what I'm saying is, it obviously made him not. Uh, obviously, the injuries made it like a landslide. Right? There clearly would have been other players cutting into his votes, for sure. But to what extent, we'll never know, really, because those players would have had to maintain that level of play they were playing the entire year. Like, you can make the argument, of course, like KD or, or uh, Joel Embiid or LeBron James was getting a ton of love last year for certain points of the season, but they would have had to maintain that level of play. And I think at the end of the year, you still would have had Nikola Jokic right there at the top in those top three. So, so I think it's hard to yes, yeah. it would have cut into his votes. We but we'll never know. Um, in terms but, of but then the question this year, it, so, it's so then MPJ this year, Jamal. Okay, so this, so I actually think I, I have a better answer for that. Okay, uh, I think if if the Nuggets have a fully healthy team, what you're going to see, uh, I think respectfully, you're wrong in that the it will not. Run the offense will not run through Nikola. It will absolutely run through Nikola. They come back full health, full strength, whatever. Nikola Jokic is absolutely the point center, focal point of this well, offense. I guess but, what I meant wasn't necessarily that he wouldn't run stuff, but the amount of possessions that solely. But but his usage rate isn't even his usage rate isn't even like like tops in the NBA. It's not even close to the tops in the NBA. But but so, so is your argument that his usage rate isn't affected? I don't think his usage rate. That's it. That that just sat. And look, I don't have these stats in front of you. That sounds crazy to me. The two best players beside Jokic are out, and his usage rate doesn't go well, up here, at all. Here's what I. Here's what Doesn't I, that sound so? Here, here's what I think you see happen if if a Nuggets team is fully healthy. I think you see maybe one to one and a half more assists per game from Jokic because he's playing that t- probably even two assists a game, right? Maybe even as much as two assists. He could average as much as ten assists rather than eight, right? You might see his point total go down. 
couple points, right? So instead of like a 26 point something point total, I could see it being like a 24. What I really think you would see more than anything is players like Aaron Gordon wouldn't be taking as many shots. Will Barton mm, would not be taking as okay. many shots. Okay. Uh, so so I actually I actually think those shot the shot production would get taken away from other players who are kind of playing outside their role right now. And I think Nikola would be in a very similar role even with them. If anything, I just wanted to play devil's advocate and push back you, a little you bit. You really sold me there. You know Connor. what? I mean, I mean, I am always going to side with Jokic and the Nuggets. It's it's who I am. I grew up loving the Nuggets, but I, I do want to be fair to us and the audience just by presenting certain things or looking at different angles. Look, you listen to other podcasts, you listen to 104.3, you're never going to... Look, well, I don't know if they ever talk Nuggets on 104.3 anyway, do they? I mean, my God, it's Broncos 24-7. But that's what I want to do. I want to get to the bottom here, you know, talk about every possibility and just kind of push back and, you know, play devil's advocate. But honestly, I, I kind of agree with a lot of what you said that maybe the usage... Because look, the percentage, I think that would go up, but... I guess Aaron Gordon, other role players, they're maybe taking on more of the brunt. Yeah, I mean, I think I think on a fully healthy Nuggets team, you're looking at Aaron Gordon's role is a lockdown defender, right? That can that can defend one through five. He can defend any position, uh, and then a, a slash cutter for Jokic, right? He's going to be a weak side cutter. He's going to make those slashes when Nikola and uh, and uh, and Murray are playing. <laughs> Nikola Murray playing that two man game. He's going to kind of be off that off ball cutter, right? And so I think you see. Aaron Gordon's points per game go down, you know, significantly. I don't think you see these big. We're seeing some blow up games yeah. by Aaron Gordon. I don't think you see those nearly as often. Uh, so I, yeah, I, I think it's going to be the other players that are kind of their productions going down. Nicole is going to have a little bit of dip in scoring production, but I think what he loses in scoring production, he's going to gain in assists. So cool. I don't know. It, it, it's an interesting conversation, but. I know uh, you, you mentioned something else, Jared, here. Okay. I, I, before we get off the Nuggets. No, we, got, well, we have about, plenty more Nuggets okay. topics, so know, don't, it, don't you worry. You were talking some Michael Malone over here. So I think, I don't know. Real quick, before we get to that, before we get to that, I want to—I just want to kind of bring this back full circle, understanding where the Nuggets are at with their roster. We all kind of just agreed that we're probably not seeing either MPJ or Murray back before the end of the regular season, at least. So going into the playoffs, having not, neither of those guys played, what what is an expectation of this season? What do you need to see to feel like this was a successful season for the Nuggets? You want to go or you want me to take this one, Connor? <laughs> hey, I want to see a Nikola Jokic MVP. That's what I want to see. I want no. to see that. Does that, that make it a successful season success for the Nuggets, success? regardless of what they do in the playoffs? Because, because without... Those two players, I think your chances for a championship are very, very slim to none. That's the reason I answer that way. I actually agree um, with you 100%, Connor, because I said back at the beginning of the season, tank, tank the season, because exactly what's going to happen is what I said is going to happen, right? They're going to go in as a six seed. They're going to be an underdog. Even if you go win that series, you really don't have a chance to win a championship without these two guys. So what are you accomplishing? If he at least goes and wins this MVP, at least it was like all worthwhile because it, it uh, you know, it does bring that accolade to you. It brings that star power to you. That hopefully now you go into next year, people actually believing well, this is the team to beat. And look, I know Nicola doesn't care about the MVPs. You know, I mean, I know he cares a little bit deep down, right? But he's never going to say he does, right? Mm -hmm. He he's he's extremely humble, and I know he says he doesn't care about the MVP. But you know what? I do. <laughs> <laughs> Nuggets Nation out there, you do. I know you're listening to this. 
and you do care about this MVP, it is a big thing for this franchise that often feels marginalized, often feels looked over uh, by the national media. And you know what? Some of it's fair. Some of it's not fair. I mean, of course, we've never won a championship. Uh, so, you know, on that regard, it's fair. But uh, at, the t- you know, at the same time, uh, Nuggets has some really great teams that have not really gotten the respect that I think, and a lot of you guys out there probably think they deserve, Alex English being left off the NBA All-75 list is probably the most recent example of this. Right. Uh, but so, no, it's it's a big deal. This well, that's isn't why just a personal accolade. If his accolade. name wasn't Alex English and Alex American, he probably would have won it. <laughs> Man, I think that was more 100%. of a... Wow. But, but hold on. Sh- I want to rewind. So, so I think it's not just personal accolades, Tyler. This is a big deal for the Nuggets franchise. It's not just about personal acc- accolades. Okay. I, I, I get that. I understand that. But I want to rewind real quick. Uh <laughs> Oh, you guys wow. like that rewind DJ sound effect? <laughs> that, was my re- that was my rewind. All right, Jared, oh, did you just say you wanted the Nuggets to tank the season? Yeah, I, I was a little tank. I wanted to too. make sure that I tank got that it. right. As soon as, as soon as MPJ went down and Murray was out, I, you guys don't look, remember that? I look, called for it then. This, this is the right love, move now. This is why I love Jared. He's going to bring it, right? He's going to let you know what he thinks. Because imagine if you're in that lottery, you but, get no, that, that top pick. This isn't the it NFL. All, it, all, it all pays off. This Although, I don't even the know if they have a first-round pick this year. I think they may But also, Jared, these first-round picks coming in, it's like, the NBA, there's a reason LeBron's like, I'm not playing with anyone who hadn't played four years. Like, there's, like, there's a reason they put the lottery in play. It's because if you get that top oh, Jared, couple of pick, Jared. which you have a chance, if you miss the playoffs, you have a chance. Although the Nuggets do not I think, have a first I, I think what's I, happened... I you're right. so, think, so. so that sort of throws a monkey wrench in that plan. But no, my going back to what I said, and this was... Early on, as soon as MPJ went down, I was like, it's a back. Don't mess with it. Shut him down. Throw in the towel on the season. You're not going to win a championship. Don't risk losing future years over this. Everyone could be healthy next year. Jared. You could be the favorite to win a championship next year. Jared might be taking in the Colorado herbal (laughs) remedies over here. Look, all I'm going to say is the NBA draft, although look at Jaw, look at Zion, who set amazing records so i guess actually the last five seven years it's changing the nba draft is becoming more influential but it's for teams uh, at the bottom who you just, mean you mean zion the next gray Godin williamson is okay. that what you mean is let's, that what you're talking let, about let's over here? all remember <laughs> joel Embiid, who's in conversation for mvp missed the first two and a half years of his career what did we hear for those two and a half years bust overrated, overdrafted, and now it's fine. Zion will be fine. We're not going to get onto Zion. He will be fine. I'm just teasing. I actually like Zion Williamson. I have a buddy who always compares him to Greg Oden. He's going to be perfectly (laughs) fine. Throw a little shout out to him. Your your friend doesn't understand that they play completely different games. I mean, Zion, the only players to average, I think, 25 points their first 80 games, guess off the top of your head. There's two players in history. Well, I'm going to say Zion because... Guess the other player. Guess the other player? Uh, Michael Jordan. Yes, Michael freaking Jordan. Okay, Zion will be back. He'll be fine. Okay, I, I don't want to get that out of the way. Because you miss a year or two, again, Embiid missed two, year, two and a half years. What does that matter? So that doesn't matter at all. Zion, okay. All right. I get a little worked up all over right, Zion. All right, all right. Hey, we're off Whoa. to the wheels. No, but bit my here. point here is, and, and just to bring it back to, to Jared's point, mm. let's say the Nuggets got the top prospect right now, which is uh, Keegan Murray from Iowa, right? Scorer. 6'8", wing, defender, threes, everything you're looking for in the NBA. Would he even play next season? 
you're telling me you wouldn't want to add that kind of depth into it? I, I, I'm just saying, long-term for your team, this is huge. Yeah. It, it, it allows because you that, to be in a situation where when you the can Nuggets get out of... the Nuggets don't have a first-round pick anyway, so you're this right. is all a moot <laughs> point. Right. This right. is literally right. a moot point. Although, I will say, you know, just, just to... Uh, Jared tends to be. I'm just gonna. I'm gonna come to your defense a little, Jared. Here, Jared is very consistent in his philosophy that if you are injured and you have a, you're a big piece on a team. You are a very important cog on a team, and you're injured. Jared always wants to side on. I don't want to see you this year. I don't want to see you I'm at a, all. I even am if you a can come back. I don't even want to see you again. And I understand what being injured feels like. <laughs> so I know, I know these guys long term. You got to think long term. Your assets, you got to keep them long term. You're such a long term thinker, Jared. Jared's all about the future, all about the long term. Look, I, I, there's nothing wrong with that, but I don't know. Look, there, there's multiple ways. That's why I love this. That's why it's a discussion. There's multiple ways to look at it. I just think nugs go for it every year, man. I don't yeah. want to go through those yeah. tanking years. All right. Connor, you, you referenced it earlier, brought it up. Michael Malone is going to be sticking around for these future years where the Nuggets have a legitimate chance to go into the championship. By the way, do we know how many years it is? Because everything I see just keeps saying for the future. I have no uh, idea. How so many- this is <laughs> Forbes.com. I'm reading at least through the end of 2024-25 season, if not longer, and then in mm. parentheses, as standard practice for Denver, the terms of the contract were not released. Hmm. Oh, interesting. It's not fair. That's keeping it from me. I want to know. But I don't know. Too you much hear reasons. like what Nick Saban makes, and I'm like, really? Uh, I didn't need to know that. So Nick Saban. Well, yeah. Well, anyways, you get me going all these. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Michael Malone's going to be sticking around a little while longer, and you know, I I think he's right now. He's kind of everyone's darling. Um, you know, it actually reminds me a lot of when George Carl came to Denver. Quickly turned around a team, got him into legitimate contenders very early on. The thing with George Carl is those teams never quite took that next leap into the elite teams, and ultimately, yes. it cost George Carl his job. Yes, and yes. The Nuggets were much better off with Jeff Bezdelic and uh, <laughs> whoever else they had. Yeah, you know, I and agree. so that's kind of out of here with this nonsense. Are, are, are we? Did we <laughs> learn from George Carl? Is is Michael Malone? Uh, as long as he wants to be here, he's here. Or is there? I'm going to let Connor take this one because I've got some great stats to back up uh, my opinion. Okay, this year you're obviously not going to talk anything at all about Michael Malone being on any sort of hot seat. He right. just got an extension. You go through next season and the Nuggets lose in the fully healthy season, assuming, and the Nuggets lose in the first round of the playoffs. I'm not saying Malone's getting fired, but are you telling me he's not on the hot seat with a team that is built to win now? Or in George Carl territory. Or in George Carl territory. First of all, first off, the Nuggets are not losing in no first round of the playoffs with a fully healthy team. Okay. That's just not happening. You have you have the great you have the best player in the world, arguably, on your team, yeah, with some really great role. No, you're not losing in the first round. So that's not happening. It's it's irrelevant. I want to grab onto something you just said, Jared. You said he's the darling right now. Okay, I'm actually seeing a very mixed opinions when I go out and look at like you know social media and I just go look at tons of I read through just you know tons of people's comments on it and whatever there seems to be this really hard division on Nuggets fans and there is quite a lot of people out there that really really dislike Malone they absolutely can't stand this guy why they, 
Uh, I mean, hey, you, you get everything from, I, I, you know what? I'll, I'll say the most common reason that people who at least, <laughs> you know how Twitter is. Sometimes it's all over the place, oh, right? <laughs> it's all over the place. Uh, I would say the most common reason for people who at least seem to have an idea about what they're kind of talking about, uh, they always point to rotations. They do not like his rotations. They think he costs the Nuggets games at times by not putting back in Nikola Jokic uh, early enough in the fourth quarter. They think that he tends to uh, trust players too much and and is afraid to kind of rock the boat. Uh, there's some criticism that he's afraid to make matchup-based rotations, right? Which is something hmm. that some coaches do, some coaches don't, right? Monty Williams of the Suns does not do this, friends. He's a great coach. People, we, people would say he's a great coach. And he doesn't do this. He is much more of a, I'm going to set my bench rotation, I'm going to set my starting rotation, and that's where we're going to go. Uh, you know, but there have been other coaches who, who do it a little differently, and they do a much more matchup-based. So that's been a criticism of Michael Malone. I am here to tell you that you are all wrong. Every single one of whoa, you whoa, whoa, whoa. that think that think Michael Malone is a bad coach or is not the right coach for this Nuggets team. Or is in George Carl territory. Or is in that's George, the question or is with in this George, Or is in George Carl territory. You are all wrong, okay? Oh, I will on. give so, you two but, words. But wait a second. Two it, words. I hear, Michael I'll, Malone's career, he has kind of proven he is very much in George Carl territory. Well, I want to hear these two words. I have two <laughs> words. I have two words to sum up exactly why why uh, Michael Malone is the perfect coach for this Nuggets team. Nikola Jokic. Okay, okay, okay. okay. You get rid of Michael Malone... You are absolutely crazy. You you seriously don't know anything about our star player. If you honestly think that he would just be totally chill with with so firing saying, Michael is, is Malone, Nikola Yo loves uh, Michael. Absolutely, Malone. it's his family. Okay. So, and not only that, but it's the trainers and the other staff that are that are literally Nikola's family. It would take something really crazy to to rock that boat. I mean, he is too hitched to Nikola Jokic at this point. So I absolutely get what you're saying. What do you think of George Carl? Because I'm going to bring up this whole... Because that was the base of the conversation, right? George Carl, for years, got Denver to the freaking playoffs a lot of years with a really good seed, and it was disappointment. That's why he was let go. So Jared's... And until Jared's Michael bases, Malone showed up in Denver, everyone here, you know, fans unilaterally were so upset about the fact of what the Nuggets became after North George Carl left. George Carl's whole philosophy, though, was we're going to outscore the... We're going to score more points than you can possibly put So, up. So you're not a huge George Carl. Uh, where do you fall on George Carl? I like George Carl. I, I wasn't... I, wasn't, I, wasn't a, I, I like George Carl, George too. Carl. No, I like George Carl. I, I actually think it's funny when people say they hate Melo, hate George Carl, because the Nuggets were nothing for decades before... Yeah. Well, decades. Yeah. For a decade before he got here. And then they started winning. But I have some numbers here. And Jared, I kind of see where you're going with this. Is Michael Malone's edging into that territory. But I'm on Connor's side for this. And let me tell you, I actually went in and did some math for this. Right? We did a little, we did a little historical research. Mm. What I did. Mr. Back, MIT over there. Yes. Let, look back the last 25 years. Average wins per seed. And it's really pretty stratified. The one seeds win the most, two seeds win next, three seeds win next, so on and so forth. So what we can do is effectively come up with expected wins per playoff performance. If you're a one seed and you get swept in the first round, obviously that's an underperformance, right? If you're an eight seed and you take the one seed to a seventh game, that's actually outperforming the average eight seed, okay? Mm -hmm. So going back 25 years... I came up with expected wins per playoff appearance. So George Carl, 
His expectation in all of his years, here's where here were the George Carl Denver Nuggets seeds in the playoffs, his starting his first full year in Denver. Three, six, eight, two, four, five, six, three. Okay, it's a lot of high oh, I thought they had a one seed in there. They did not have a one seed. They had two uh. they had a one two seed, which was oh nine ten. And I can look it up right now. So I thought they had that one year with uh, like Danilo Gallinari and that was 0910. Um, so it was after the Carmelo trade where I think they won 53 games. Yep, if I remember that, right. It was that season. Was it 53 games? I'm know. not sure how many how many games yeah, they won. It was, it was a lot. I'm pulling it up right now. So the one seed that year was. I already know where you're going with this, and I like it. Uh, it was I LA. Like it. I like so. It. Yeah. So yeah. yeah so, they had some great seeds for sure. George Carl era of Denver Nuggets basketball were had some look, really, again, really good three, seeds. Three, six, eight, two, four, five, six, three. Yep. So the expected wins based on those seeds, thirty-four wins. George Carl had eighteen. Almost half. Mm-hmm. You're talking about fifty percent production when the games mean the most. And look, I did I was always a George Carl defender. I love George Carl. But going back and looking at these stats, it made me say, huh, maybe I should rethink my point of view. George Carl did heavily underperform those years. Now let's look at Michael Malone. Now now the difference here, George Carl went to the playoffs every year as a head coach. That's the difference. Michael Malone missed out on a couple of years till the Denver roster was ready to go, right? Mm-hmm. That's the difference. Is if you want, let's make the playoffs every year, but lose. Now you're talking George. Yes, before the Serbian basketball guy. So Michael Malone, Uh they've made the playoffs three years since he's been here, and it's the last three, and the seeds, two, three, three. So very high seeds for Michael Malone, okay? Expected wins, 21. Michael Malone's wins, 20. So in in comparison, George Carl, his expectation based on historical games and what seed his teams were and how how healthy, how weather, and, and you know, there's multi-layers to this, right? It's not just the history. Also, I factored in, and I know this sounds kind of elementary, but when you're doing math like this, you can't just say, what has every one seed done in the last 25 years? You also have to take kind of a base approach. And my sort of, I didn't really filter it in as a huge part of this, but I did take a, a base approach of the top two seeds are expected to get to the conference finals. One, two, three, and four are expected to get to the second round. Right, right. Right? So that kind of plays a, a part in here too. So when you go back and look, George Carl, he he, he expected 34 wins. That's average, yeah, by he, the way. He was getting beat by lower seeds. If he had 34 wins, yeah. that's average. That's not like something to, con- to, to cheer about. That's average. Mm-hmm. So George Carl, 50% production. Michael Malone, he's expected wins, 21. He's won 20. So to me, big difference in the playoffs for those coaches. Yeah, I, I think uh, we're going to say something. No, there? no, go ahead. I, I think, uh, I, you know, I, I like that. It's a, it's a good approach to thinking about this. I really like that. It's a good, uh, good piece there, Tyler. So uh, when I just look at the, the styles and, and kind of what they did as coaches, right? Um, something that I think differentiates them a little bit is, <clears throat> is that George Carl really was a, an offensive preaching coach. He he absolutely was the identity, and you know what? Well, there he was, was a big part of getting Allen Iverson here. Of course, of course. You know, I mean, he loves and offense, they had, and they had a really exciting team, no doubt about it. Uh, but you go, you go look back at the, those Nuggets teams when they had all those players. They had the Carmelos and the Iversons and the Kenyon Johnsons. Martin and the Nene, and you know they they had all these players. Uh, they their absolute team philosophy was: we are gonna outscore you. 
We're we don't even out care run. about and out outrun run. and outrun you, right? Uh, especially with his teams after Carmelo, right? I'm gonna get there, but but with the Carmelo teams, their whole philosophy was you can't stop us from scoring more points than you, and so we're gonna put all of our effort and our energy in our offensive side of the ball, right? And of course, that included a lot of isolation with Carmelo and a lot of isolation with uh, with Iverson, a lot of running with uh, you know some of the finishers and uh, you know Anene and Kenyon Martin, some of these people that could you know finish the basketball. Point is. His whole philosophy was offensive. Then you get that trade. Carmelo leaves town, and you have a whole bunch of role players. That was a really interesting year, interesting couple of years for the Nuggets where they didn't have a star, but they had all these role players that were pretty decent, and George Carl really went all out on the we are going to run, right? which especially worked at altitude, and, and it gave them one of the best home records in the NBA. They were able to run the ball. at, a, at, a, at, a, at a, I'm sure if you look back, I don't even know this to be true, but I am sure if you look back, they would have one of the fastest paces in the in, in the no doubt. But that oh, NBA. That, that I'm a fan of that. But here's the thing. And here's the thing, though, is in the playoffs that slows down. No, that, and that's the key because that if slows you play, down. But here, you can't you, play that strategy in the wouldn't playoffs. Wouldn't you be crazy not to try and exploit a little bit of that at altitude? I mean, you've got teams coming of in. Do you want to play a little of course, faster? And you see, and you see, Michael Malone has that in him too. Michael Malone wants to use that advantage and run the court. They definitely want to run the court as well. But but the difference is Michael Malone's philosophy is a defensive-minded coach. He wants to start those runs on defense, right? He's his philosophy is we are going to get easy buckets by running the court because we have a point center who can sling the rock all over the court and we have a bunch of people who are in shape. We have altitude. We have all this going for us. But we're going to win games by playing defense, which gives us those easy transi- and don't transition think, buckets. And that was not George Carl's philosophy. Don't you think that's why George Carl was operating, based on my projections, at about 50% efficiency when Michael Malone is right near 100%? Right. And, and I think Michael Malone's philosophy is more uh, efficient in winning in the playoffs. I yeah. think in the playoffs, you have to have some level of defense. And okay, the Nuggets are not the best defensive team in the NBA. No one's saying they are, right? But the fact that Michael Malone is every freaking game preaching defense, he is, I mean, he is getting on his players. He came up with that whole, uh, him and his staff came up with the whole defensive player of the game chain. You guys seen that, right? Yeah. Yes. Uh, so, I mean, his whole cornerstone, he has a, a background in being a defensive minded coach, and it's completely a 180 from, from what George Carl is. So, I think it's hard to make those two comparisons. I hate that people are being so critical on Michael Malone right now. Jared, do we uh, change your mind? No, no. And, and I think you guys are getting me wrong. I'm not saying at this point in time that I think Michael Malone is there. What I'm asking is I don't, all the, the averages and everything aside, if the Nuggets go through the this three or four year window that they have built, this team is built to win now. Three or four years from now, we're not so sure how they're going to keep this all together, all of that. If he doesn't win a championship through that or at least compete for a championship, you're telling me he's not in George Carl territory. He's not now being discussed whether he can get it done in the playoffs, uh, he's gonna be whether dis- he's he gonna be still has a job. I'm saying he will be on the hot seat if we go through the next couple of seasons and they don't have playoff see, success. See, I back, really do. Back to my original point. Tyler made a really great statistical analysis. You're making a really great logical uh, view saying, hey, at some point there will be this kind of talk and comparison. There will be a hot seat one day if he doesn't compete for a championship. I'm here to tell you Ain't that nothing happen. you or you just said matters at all. Nikola Jokic, that is it. <laughs> okay. 
Nikola Jokic, the he wants to be a Denver Nugget for the rest of his career. He has said it. He has been very open. The only danger Nuggets fans have of losing Nikola Jokic is if he retires, right? Basketball isn't to this guy. He loves basketball. Don't get me wrong, but he loves his horses more. He loves you know his family time more. I mean, he absolutely could reach a point in his career where he just goes, you know what? Michael Malone? No, uh, Nikola Jokic. Oh. I just don't want to play basketball anymore, right? That is the danger of... Uh, that is the only way that we do not see Nikola Jokic in a Nuggets uniform for the next decade. But you keep taking this okay? to a Nikola point now, of view. No, so here's the thing. One of those reasons why Nikola... He, he repeats it. He's like a broken record. He repeats it over and over again. Trust, family. That is why he wants to be here. He wants to be here because he has uh, I think you're overplaying but Connor, I do that, too. Though. I think you're really looking at that way too much. Now, here's the thing. If the owners of the Nuggets, okay... Sat to Cronky, you know, as he sits down in a room. It's it, it's the owners, a couple financial people, you know, whatever. It's a big board of people in Jokic, and they go, "You're the most important thing here. We will do whatever you want." But look, as a franchise, and this is all completely hypothetical. Let's fast forward two seasons. Let's fast forward to the whatever 2023 or maybe 2024 year, and the Nuggets have gotten top three seeds and had flameouts. Okay, because this is all based on. If this happens, okay? Right. If that happens, they sit Jokic down. They say, you're the franchise. We'll talk major extension. We'll talk A, B, and C. But based on your future, our future, the best thing to do is this. I don't think Jokic is going to say, nope, I'm gone. No, I absolutely don't believe Jokic will give. It would take something crazy happening behind the scenes with Nikola Jokic and Michael Malone's relationship to change him sitting down in that scenario but where Connor, they sit him down. There have been players saying, no, I don't throughout want you doing history that. who have said this in, in every sport, football, baseball, basketball, hockey. You know how many players have come out and said, nope, absolutely not. This is my coach. We're in this together. It's about family. It's about trust. And then they get a new coach. It's like, well, yeah. Nikola I Jokic, got a $10 million raise. and It's all good. You're right. But guess what? Nikola Jokic is one of one. I disagree different. with that. He is different I in that don't. regard. I think you're too Denver-centric with that. You know what? I, I uh, And I, I'm sure I got 80% of the audience saying, oh, screw you, Tyler, but I think you're being too Denver-centric. I think, here's what, I'll put it this way. As long as Nikola Jokic doesn't want Michael Malone gone, he will not be gone. It will not happen. We will literally ride, whether he's the right coach or not, maybe that's a fair conversation to have, right? Especially from our point. It just doesn't matter. I, it's not going to happen unless Nikola Jokic either reaches a point where he is no longer like the MVP type status. Like, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Where, where you don't have to listen to Nicola, right? Like that could happen. And then eventually there's like, you know what? It doesn't matter. Like you do what you're going to do. And then you're right. I bet you Nikola Jokic doesn't, he probably won't retire or anything like that. Right. But the Nuggets are not going to, they're not going to, just do something that Nikola Jokic is adamant against. They're not going to do that right now. I'm not saying not for the near that. I'm future. saying it's a lot easier of a process than you're making it sound. Who's the coach of the Phoenix Suns who you said is great? Monte Williams. What if they got Monte Williams in? They say, hey, man, I know, you know, the hypothetical, right? Yeah, he loves Monte. Or Monte. So would he leave if Monte came in? I, I, I'm not necessarily so it's saying not, he would leave. I'm just, saying, I'm just saying that he is such... He is he is a different breed of player, so different to where I'm not sure I can think of anybody that is like him. In that he is, loyalty means so much to him. Now, I know we got to move and, off this, I, but I, I just want to say it all. sounds that's like all. a parent talking about a child here. Yeah, a little just, bit. I'm just saying, man, his hey, boo. As it's long as Nikola Jokic <laughs> doesn't want him gone, he you won't know what be it gone. is. He you know what it is. Gone. MPJ has been out all year, so he has had to like double up on Jokic boo love. Total double down. Yeah, I know. Double double down, not double up. Double down. What are you doing, blackjack?
<laughs> yeah, don't even talk to me about that. That was that was a rough week. <laughs> hey, you watch it, dude. The Nuggets are gonna ride or die with Michael Malone. Just saying. I'm, I'm just I'm, saying. I am just saying too. He will not be fired as long as Nikola Jokic does not want him to be. That's all. I'm telling you. All right. Before we turn the the floor over to Tyler for his game, I got to remind everyone out there about their free hundred dollars. It's sitting there waiting for you. All you got to do is go out and grab it. All you have to do, download the Thrive Fantasy app. You put in our promo code RED, that's R-E-D, and you get a free $100 deposit match. Thrive Fantasy is daily fantasy sports, but it's different from what you get with a DraftKings or a FanDuel. It's player props. That's what makes it fun. It's a little bit unique, a little bit of a different take on it. Great payouts, easy to get your money in and out, easy to maneuver through the app. That's Thrive Fantasy. You can find them online, thrivefantasy.com, or download the app. Make sure you use our promo code RED. That's R-E-D. And Tyler, I understand they have a good promotion going on right now. You know how producer Nick usually talks to the advertisers and gets everything straight for the show? Well, I did that today, right? I had to fill in for Nick and in every avenue they sent over this really cool promotion to where again like jared said it's daily fantasy sports with with player props so what you do you build a lineup just like in dfs like if you've ever played FanDuel or DraftKings, it's really fun those contests you build a lineup of 10 player props so it just combines dfs and player props it's so much fun but they're giving away or they have some huge contests coming up so uh, Masters contest, right? If, you, if you're a golf fan, you like the Masters, 20,000 guaranteed, 5,000 to first. And look, if you've ever played on FanDuel before, DraftKings, you might say, wait, they give away a million. They give away a million. Yeah, well, there's like 100,000 entries to those contests. Thrive Fantasy limits their contests, so you have a fair, legitimate chance to get out of those convoluted million people contests and get in a real contest you can actually win. And by the way, 5000 to first for a $25 buy-in is huge. So the Masters next week on the 7th, they're doing a contest, 20000 guaranteed, 5000 to first. Also, Major League Baseball opening day, 20000 guaranteed, 5000 to first, $25 entry. So if you like fantasy or you like DFS, you like player props, combine the two with uh, Thrive Fantasy or download the app. And uh, it's really cool what they're doing there. So yeah. And uh, let me say this too. Like Jared said, you put in promo code RED, you match your deposit bonus up to 100 bucks. Okay, so let's say you put in 100, then they match you 100, so now you have 200 in your account, but not just that. They're going to give you some free tokens to enter contests. So the way they do it, I think if you if you put in 20 or 30 or 40, they'll give you, I think, uh, one or two tokens. If you put in 100 and max it out, now what you're doing is you put in $100 cash you have about $300 value because you're going to have 200 in cash and four free entries to contests, which cost about 25 bucks. So there's no reason you shouldn't sign up. If you've ever made a player, pre- a player prop in your life, it's worth it. Thrivefantasy.com, download the app, put in promo code RED, and start making a lot more money and having more fun doing what you already do. So it's really cool. Yeah, Tyler, you're the one that turned me on to those guys. And it's, it's so it's fun. It's so different. It's, it's just a lot of fun. Well, look, I'm a pro better, and I spend a lot of my time on, on all these different sports books. And it's like you get on Thrive or look, it's not. There's other websites out there who do a good job, but Thrive kind of takes things to the next level. And I'll say this, too. If you're going to make player props, especially in parlay form, there's not a better place to be. The payouts are crazy. I tell everyone I know if they're not even a winning better, go play with Thrive. And as we said, you get a huge sign-up bonus if you put in promo code R-E-D. And maybe we can get Connor to watch the Masters then. Yeah, hopefully he'll watch some golf. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I played the, the fifth. The floor is yours, well, Tyler. The, the you, got, you got a game for us here. Blind resumes. We do. We got a game. All right, so here's how it goes. Connor, Jared. 
I want no cheating here. No cheating. Here's how it works. I give you two players stats. Now, I'm only going to give you a couple stats because if you go too deep, it's going to get obvious, right? So I have a few stats for each player. All you tell me, which player would you want on your team? All right, so let's get to it here. Uh, do you guys like the blind resume game? Like the blind resume? Give it a for? Do we have a choice? Well, I guess not. <laughs> All right, so this first one. We're going to baseball, okay? MLB. All right, player A, player B. Now, this only accounts for the last four years of these players playing, okay? Last four years of, of their playing. Player A. You guys may want to write this down just so you can... Oh, I didn't... Uh, no one told me. Here, I got pens, too, if you need. I'm just saying, it's probably easy to write down just so you can, like, reference these numbers and say, hey, what'd you say for that? What'd you say for that? Okay. So if you're playing at home, you're in the car, either have a good memory or write it down, okay? Player A has missed an average of 24 games a season. He has a 2.63 average and has a 4... 30 slugging, uh, slugging percentage. Okay. Okay. Player A's missed an average of 24 games, 263 average, 430 slugging. Player B has missed an average of 45 games a season the last four years, 254 average, and a 440 slugging. Who would you want on the Rockies? Player A, player B. <clears throat> I'm gonna go player A. I believe in uh, keeping people on the field, man. If you're missing, if you're missing time, you're you're not helping. And these out. are career numbers. These are the last. As four I years. said, the last four Jeez. years. Four years. Okay. Well, I think obviously the answer is A, but you're gonna pull a stunner on us, and B is somebody that we all know and love, and A is somebody that we don't know and well, love. Well, I gotta give Connor this. He at least knows where I'm going here. <laughs> player A, Ian Desmond. Player B, Chris Bryant. Little food for thought there. Okay, you just did two things. Okay, yeah. you just made <laughs> me like realize that I'm as good as a at the front office as Jeff Breidich is. So that's that's fun to, <laughs> to to be in that category. And secondly, you just made me really dislike this Chris Bryant signing. So thanks a lot, Tyler. Look, uh -uh. there's other stats uh -uh, uh -uh. that are good for Chris uh -uh, Bryant. Yeah. Uh -uh. Phony stats. <laughs> Let me tell you why that was phony. Okay, one played half his games at Coors Field. The other did not. Well, and... Case and point. I drop. Okay, Mike drop. Okay. Mike Let, drop. Let's move on. This is also who would you want on the Rockies? Baseball, okay? Player A. 240... And then this is uh, just this last year. So these stats are just the uh, 2021 season. Player A. 241 average. 81 RBIs. And 22 home runs. 241 average. 81 RBIs. 22 home runs. Player B, 251 average, 75 RBIs, and 24 home runs. I know this one's a little semantics. Okay, this one's tricky. Okay, did, did either player A or B play half their games at Coors Field while the other did not? I can't answer that. Okay, well, I'm going to choose the one that played half their games at Coors Field. You can't do that. And the, the, the one, one that I mean. did that one. is player B. B, so I'm going to go with player A, who I want, because player yeah. B is going to be the player Rocky. A. Which player I, do you I want, know. Connor? It's going to be the I, Rocky. I would like, uh, I would like player B. So player A, Randall Grichuk. Is that how you, how you say his name, Connor? Grichuk. Grichuk. Of course, Randall Grichuk is A. Trevor Story is B. Yeah, so, so I chose B. Skewed, chose B. skewed <laughs> stats. Those are skewed <laughs> stats. Those aren't good. Yeah. All right, next one. We got two more. 
This is I NFL like Rambo, Broncos. NFL. Yeah, getting who, out, getting off the moon of Coors Field. Who would you rather want on the Broncos? Quarterback. One point three, and this is uh, career. Okay, this is not last year. Now, this is career statistics. One point three percent interception rate. Two hundred and fifty nine total yards per game. And an average of 1.5 game-winning drives per season. So he has one and a half game-winning drives per season. Player B, 1.8 interception rate. 270 total yards per game. And player B has 3.2 game-winning drives per season. Who do you want to quarterback the Broncos? Player A or player B? Obviously, I'm going to go with B. Give me the no, game I'm, go, I'm going A for sure because interception rate, I think, is more important than any of those things. Oh. Player A, Aaron Rodgers. Player B, Russell Wilson. There you go. I'm right, good. Now we I'm got one more. We got one more. Okay, these st- this is NBA. We're going a little hardcore. Okay, hardcore. Who do you want to play on the Nuggets? Player A, 577. Effective field goal percentage. So 57% effective field goal. 34.7% three-pointer. And 6.2 assists per game. Or player B. 521 effective field goal percentage. 52.1. 33.5 And 3.3 assists per game. Who do you want to play for the Nuggets? I would like... And this one's obvious. I would like player B, Carmelo Anthony. (laughs) Are you serious? Connor's going player B. Who are you going? Hey. (laughs) Okay. Jared, you chose Nikola Jokic. Connor, you chose Joel Embiid. (laughs) Yeah! Connor chose Joel Embiid. Yeah, I was I, trying to out-trick the trickster. But you didn't. You got no. tricked by the out-tricking. You you were trying to out-trick. I was a step ahead of the That's trick. That's true. You're like George Costanza So you, So now, before we get out of here, do you have an explanation as to why, on a numbers level, you like Joel Embiid more than Nikola Jokic? Can you explain that to the audience? No, I do not. I do not, on a numbers level, mm-hmm. like it. I was thinking that was Carmelo Anthony. <laughs> so I was trying I was trying to, like, uh, like... Like get the exact right answer right there. You like, were wow, trying that to was M- Carmelo. You were trying to M Night Shyamalan. M Night Shyamalan. Exactly. That's what. That, that's what happened. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, I feel you like M Night Shyamalan. M Night Shyamalan himself. So <laughs> I mean, he, <laughs> right. he is taking some of these movies too far. That's how, no. that, that's the blind uh, resume. Uh, I will say, like the blind resume. Speaking of movies. Yeah. <laughs> uh, did you guys catch the Oscars the other night? Oh my God, Will Smith and. Will. Uh, okay, that was staged, right? No, no. Well, are you really one of those okay. people? Okay. Oh, oh my God. God. Hear me I, I never Get thought Jared. Music <laughs> Hear me out, though. I never thought Jared would be one of these people. When have you ever known a man to just stand there and lean in and take a slap Dude, to the face? So, so clearly, so let me make an assumption about you. Well, I know you well, Jared, right? You haven't done a lot of research on this. Okay. Whatsoever. I, unfortunately, <laughs> it's like a, I, I have. So my, my theory on this is Will Smith's got a lot of stuff going on in the background of his life, and his relationship with his wife has been messed up for a long time. She cheated on him several times with Tupac, with some kid who's like half her age. Yeah, and, house worker or whatever. Yeah, they've had yeah. their own problems. This has come out before. Like People have been talking about her hair for four years now, okay? 
what happened is, in my opinion, Will Smith had some sort of buildup. He got pissed off, and, and he went up and did that, and it's, it's very real. I do um, ask when does somebody lean in. I'll tell you exactly when. When somebody leans in like that. When they don't expect a punch. When it's yeah, the he, last he thought thing he was in their mind. Say something. He thought he was going to come. And, and obviously, think about this. You're in a crowd with lots of people, right? And people are kind of cheering and stuff because Will Smith's walking on stage. He's leaning in because he's thinking that Will's going to come in and like say something privately to him. That's what it looked like well, to or me. Or make a bit or be funny. Now, I do have a joke. All I'm saying is Chris Rock has fallen off the face of the earth a little bit the last few years. <laughs> oh. This is back, bringing him back in the spotlight, and Will Smith gets Jared. to act like the big bad dude. I can't believe you're in that group. 100%. Oh, Set my God. That is so obscene. Okay, so He knew what I, he was doing. I, I like that take. I disagree. But I do have a joke. What did they discover on Chris Rock's face after Will Smith smacked him? Fresh... Prince. Ooh, I got, hey, one. I got one too. Ready? <laughs> yeah. that, that's a pretty good one. I'm sure nobody saw these on Twitter. <laughs> that's that's Alrighty. much better than mine, actually. What's yours? Gotten one little fight about my wife's lost hair. She said, "You better slap Chris, or I'm having an affair." Mm. Even got it in the rhyme. I like it. I like yeah, it. I'm into it. Definitely. All right. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. Good look, stuff. my, my, my okay. takeaway, though, is it's not... Look, well, Jared, if you're operating on the whole thing, it's fake. I can't even come to a common grounds with you. It's like having a flat earth discussion. But <laughs> but if you, if you accept that it was not fake, which most people do, there's no excuse for Will Smith because I am a... Well, in my opinion, there's no excuse because me, myself, I'm a big comedy fan. And I think once you start saying, oh, no, no, comedy is okay as long as you don't offend me. That's opening up a whole can of worms that I don't want to get to. If you're offended, don't go. If you're, there's a lot of ways he could have handled that. Will, could, Will Smith could have left. He could have gone up and said something. They're friends. They've known each other for, for two decades. He could have handled it so many other ways. There's no excuse for going up and doing that. And I think it's kind of messed up the way they're normalizing Will Smith going up, smacking the heck out of Chris Rock. Oh, you know, he's dancing later on. There's video of him dancing with his Oscar. You know, I know he came up with an apology. Oh, did you see the speech after? Yeah, I saw the speech. I mean, that was a little ridiculous. To to me, in my opinion, there's no room for that, no matter what jokes are said. By the way, if you go back to every single freaking award show since the 90s, including like the ESPYs and the Razzies and these stupid award shows no one cares about, they hire a comedian to come roast the people getting awards. That happens in every award show the last 30 years. For Will Smith and Jada Pinkett Smith to now be sitting first row and get so offended about a freaking G.I. Jane joke, I think that's all on Will Smith. There's no room for that. You got to let it go. So I tend to actually agree with you that I I do, okay? But to play devil's advocate a little bit here and just ask, how many of those comedians are making jokes about a... Uh, documented medical condition. You know how many that- cancer jokes I've left? My dad died of cancer in 2016. Yeah. And I will not lie. I'm not trying to make this a whole thing. Every time there's a cancer joke told, it kind of gets this weird feeling in me, right? Yeah, I kind of yeah. feel weird. I kind of feel a little thing. I feel a little sad. I feel a little... But at no point do I think that comedian should be canceled. I think it's part of everything. If you make fun of someone's weight, someone's height, baldness, whatever it is, Nothing yeah. should be. I think nothing should be out limits in that realm. Well, I, I, I didn't I mean to, to like bring it down with that. Like, I tend right? to agree because that comedy, uh, although 
in this woke culture we find ourselves in, uh, sometimes things comedians say are, are by a lot of people. There are a very significant number of people out there are saying that that is not acceptable. But you, you know what? That. But I, I tend to agree I, with I you. I saw on Twitter and Facebook, there's just, and, and Instagram, Facebook's outdated. Is it, there's just as many people who say, no, I have alopecia. I have this disease. Right, I live right. somewhere. I make fun of myself. So Will Smith and Jada Pinkett Smith took it upon themselves to say, oh, this is not acceptable. It's like, no, that's ridiculous. Right, right. You may get offended. And again, I didn't really mean to bring things down with the whole camp. Look, Tom would have been loving that. You know, he would have, you know, he, he, he'd be okay with all these jokes. You know, so I don't think it's disrespectful, but it's no, like, no. you do feel a certain way. If you're overweight, let's say you're really, really overweight and, and I feel bad for people and I hope they, you know, do what they need to do to get healthy. But let's say you are and someone makes a fat joke and you get upset. Do you not have the right to go smack them in the face? Where do you draw yeah, that's the line? That's the question. Right? Exactly. All and so, right, and so, all right. And so that, that's kind of how I feel. So I have, in oh, all of my years, I have never watched one second of the Oscars. I happened to be at a bar that was playing that when it happened live. It's just like the first time I have ever watched one bit of it, and I just happened to catch the biggest drama <laughs> of, the, of the year. <laughs> there you go. So. Best Oscars to watch, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Was, all right. If great. we don't get off this and get on yeah. to history, I'm going to slap you like, Will Smith did to Chris Rock. Yeah, all right, all right. This time. day in sports history. 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 All right. Hey, saving the best for last. This week in sports history could be summed up by one word. Hockey. Because everything I got for you has to do with hockey. I've got three of them for you. Okay. All right. So March 29th, 1989, the year I was born. First Soviet Hockey players are permitted to play in the NHL. Mm. First time. Mm. Pretty well, that they're, they're close to nine, huh? Yeah, not all that long ago, right? Yeah. Uh, so, so there we go. We got next one. We got March 30th. And I, I put this one in here just because of the names, all right? So there is a Stanley Cup in Toronto, 1918, okay? The Toronto Arenas beat the Vancouver Millionaires. Two to one. The millionaires? The millionaires. That's a great team. The Vancouver name. Millionaires. <laughs> I love that. Except uh, for as the team ages and then you look like Dr. Evil. Right. <laughs> $100 million. Uh, and, and nowadays it's like, well, that's not even that. Like half your players make more than that. So. Do you think the do you think people listening under 23 know about Dr. Evil? Because a lot of our audience yeah. is under 23. No, okay. yeah, I think so. Think? I think that was iconic okay. Okay. enough. Okay. And, and so this was actually in 1918. It was the first Stanley Cup that was contested by the new NHL. So it was also a big milestone one, but I just thought that was great. The millionaires, right? Love it. Okay, last one I got for you. I'm going to ask you guys a question about this, okay? In 1919, Stanley Cup final in Seattle Ice Arena, Seattle, Washington, the Montreal Canadiens and the Seattle Metropolitans were tied at two games, two games, and one tie. They had ties back then, <laughs> okay? The rubber match, the game winning for the Stanley Cup, was canceled and never awarded. The trophy was never awarded in 1919. Why? Uh, that's not World War One, is it? Is that the right time frame? No, nope, false. Uh, the, the Treaty of Versailles? <laughs> I just, I just looked up on Google. The Spanish <laughs> flu outbreak. Ah. 
Um, so oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. What? So so they had lost two games, won two games, and tied one before health officials were forced to cancel the, the deciding game of the series. Most of the Canadians' players and their manager fell ill with the flu and were hospitalized, leaving only three healthy players. And the flu later claimed the life, unfortunately, of Canadians defenseman Joe Hall four days later. Oh, I can't even imagine so, living in a world so yeah, where, just, like, the whole world is taken over by flu-like <laughs> conditions right, right. And, 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 and everything you, gets shut down and all sports are ruined. You know, wow, I actually never really thought about putting two and two because, obviously, we've all heard about the you know previous outbreaks and stuff. Right, but you don't think about how that affected those sports in those days, too. Right. So, I, I don't know. I thought it was relevant to, obviously, what we've experienced with yeah, the pandemic. Crazy. but. Yeah. But it was it was obviously a mu- it was even a worse uh, as bad as it's been with COVID it was even worse with the Spanish flu. So you're telling and me, and they actually canceled the Stanley Cup deciding game and never played. That's it crazy. Again. So you're so. telling <laughs> me crazy. that Isn't modern that, science has helped. All right, with that, Jared. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, we're going to wrap it up with that here. Be sure to tune in next week. We got baseball opening day. Baseball, let's go, Ross. NBA playoffs, a lot of good action coming up. We'll hope to have Nick back as long as he's not continuing to be a pansy. We'll get him back (laughs) in here. Connor. Tyler, thanks for joining us once again. Glad to be, be here. Be sure to find us on Twitter at Red Rock Sports One. Tune in next week. Don't drink that non-potable water, kids. Don't do it. 